giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen, and with us today is Paris Athena, member of the hiring and product team of G2i, founder of Black Tech Pipeline, and the creator of Black Tech Twitter. Paris, welcome, and thanks for heading into the studio today. Thanks for having me. I'm very, very excited. (laughs) I'm excited, too, to have you here in person, which is awesome. You're located in Boston, like myself. Yeah, close by. I like the whole, like, studio vibe. I want to be here in person. Yeah, we've got a pretty nice studio set up. We'll have have to, uh, maybe we'll add a a photo in the show notes or something. To give you the picture of, like, what's happening here. Yeah. So um, we've got a lot of ground to cover here, but I think it's best to start at the beginning. So I'd love to learn a little bit about your background and what your professional journey has been like. You're also a front-end developer. So I'm curious, have you always been in tech? Have you always been coding? What's your journey like? I have a really interesting journey. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Yeah. So I went to uh, Pace University in New York for film and screen studies for one year right after I graduated high school. And this is back in like 2009. I wanted to be a writer and director for like motion picture, movies, all of that. But after a year, I realized, you know what? I don't want to do that. I want to do acting. So after that year, I moved to L.A. and I tried to break into Hollywood. Obviously, like it didn't work out for me, but (laughs) I tried. It's really difficult. Everyone there wants to do movies. Everyone wants to be a model the whole like, you know, Hollywood lifestyle, everyone wanted it. So it's really hard to break into the industry if you don't have connections. So I moved back to Boston and I enrolled into aesthetics school at Elizabeth Grady. Aesthetics is like, you know, working with skin. So I'm learning to do makeup as well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I can go to school and learn makeup because I can use that skill set to put makeup on models and actors and be in theater and things like that, like stay involved in that community. So (laughs) I enrolled into school and I, I ended up hating makeup. Like I learned about (laughs) it and I was like, this sucks. I like, I just wasn't good at it. I didn't enjoy it. But I graduated with the ability to wax. Like, I was really good at waxing people's hair off their body. So instead of getting a job in makeup, I got a job as a wax specialist at European Wax Center here in Boston. So I worked there for three years. So during my time there, I actually had a client who, she was already an engineer. And every time she came in Mm -hmm. to get waxed by me, she came in once a month, and she was like, you should learn to code. I'm like, what is that? And she was trying to explain it to me. I never really understood. And I was like, it doesn't seem like my type of thing. Like, I don't want to work behind a desk, behind a computer. It doesn't sound fun. That's so interesting. Yeah. And every time she came in, she like just tried to get me into coding. And I never really listened until this is when Obama was in office. And he kept talking about coding, saying, get kids into STEM, into STEAM. Everyone's talking about coding. And I found out my 11-year-old brother was coding in school. So I was like, all right, I need to find out what what this is. And you said you were from Boston originally? Yeah. So Cambridge. No, sure. No, I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, Because obviously also... As you're growing up around here, the tech scene's been growing too. Right. So it's interesting. I also, had no talking, idea. yeah, about like you not being aware of it, but then like by the time your brother's in school, there's maybe yeah. more 
awareness or education around Yeah, it? there was, yeah. After that, I kept getting that client. That's when, like, it just becoming more consistent with hearing about coding and all of that. So during the time as a wax specialist, I was enrolled into online school with a program called Duet, which is like Southern New Hampshire University program. But they have a location here in Boston for remote students to come and work in an, an office location. So I had a college counselor. So I went and asked her, I was like, hey, what's coding? Like, I want to just understand what it is. Everyone's talking about it. And that's when she told me about resilient coders. So she was like, oh, there's a hackathon for this program called Resilient Coders, which takes people of color from underserved communities and teaches them how to code. So I was like, all right, I'll just go to the hackathon and like just find out. Yeah. And going to the hackathon means you're trying to enroll into their program, which I didn't know. But they choose people at the hackathon to enroll in the program. And you didn't know that. I didn't either. know. I just wanted to go and find out what is coding. Yeah. And I ended up getting into the program. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so I Not had too to, shabby. Right. Great opportunity. So I ended up needing to quit my job because the program was eight weeks long, full time. And when I say full time, I mean I barely even slept for eight weeks during that program. Yeah, Resilient Coders is an intensive program. And and it's also quite hard to get into. It is, yeah. It's really intense because the way they put it is that you're learning four years worth of knowledge in eight weeks. (laughs) So it was a lot. But yeah, I, I enrolled in that program graduated. I took a summer internship at Hill Holiday, the advertising agency. And what were those jobs exactly? Like what sort of technologies were you learning at Resilient Coders? And then what were the roles you got into? Yeah. So at Resilient Coders, I learned front end web development. So HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. From there, I went to Hill Holiday. And that's where I started learning about like React and React Native. Mm -hmm. I got my first full-time job at a startup where we were using React. And then after nearly a year there, I got laid off, but startup life. Um, (laughs) After nearly a year there, I got laid off, but then got right into another job doing like HTML and CSS. There was no React at all. Mm -hmm. And so how are you like enjoying those things as you were like you go into the Resilient Coders? It's really intensive, but did you like it? I did. I was like, wow, so coding's actually interesting. Like me thinking working behind a computer is like not for me Mm. ended up not being true. Like you you have to be creative to do this type of work. And it's like art, but using technology, yeah. you know? And I couldn't grasp that concept before learning about it. Yeah. But once I was in it, I was like, okay, this is cool. This is fun. Like I'm bringing things to life through yeah. a computer, you know? It's probably a better job the industry can be doing about talking about what is coding and right. like which of those kind of areas of interest or like personal satisfaction that can actually be fulfilled through it. It's not just like, you know, hard science working with algorithms, although that can be part of it. A lot of it is super creative. I feel like there's a giant misconception where people are like, it's boring and it you have to be really good at math and science. Like there's parts of the industry that are like that. Then there's parts that aren't. You can use your creative skills, your artsy skills to do things like building web apps, building mobile applications. It's fun. I don't know. I like it. (laughs) All right. So you're in the startup world. You're experiencing all the the tumultuousness that goes along with that. Where did we leave off? Which company were you at? Once I got laid off from Full Lane, I went to um, Genuine, which is a digital agency. And were you doing React there? No, it was only HTML and CSS. We were using Drupal, so like I didn't really get involved in the heavy JavaScript stuff, unfortunately. And I ended up leaving there. 
um, because of that. <laughs> uh, gotcha. From there, does that bring you to present day? Sort of. Um, <laughs> the week I started at Genuine was the same week that I tweeted out the Black Tech Twitter tweet. So that week I was like, what does Black Twitter and tech look like? Let's address this Black Tech Twitter. Yeah. So you basically, you go viral. Yeah. And from what I understand, you weren't on Twitter previously. Or I had been on for about a month, long. a month yeah. or so. So I'm also curious, why were you not on Twitter before? I hated Twitter, and <laughs> but I never used it too. So that's that's my bad. I mean, you were never compelled to use right, it. You never yeah. had a reason. Exactly. I was a Facebook lover. I was all about Facebook. I was like, I will never use Twitter. I just think it's. I hate how people tweet about they're getting coffee. Like, who cares? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So what changed? What uh, compelled you to join Twitter? Because I had lost my first job, I got on Twitter to sort of tell my journey about finding a new job if that makes sense. I just wanted to tweet about looking for a new job. Mm -hmm. But getting on Twitter, that's where I realized, I was like, wait, there's a lot of like black technologists. And I didn't know that um, because ever since I got into the industry and that, and I mean, after leaving my boot camp, so from my internships to my jobs, I never saw anyone who looked like me. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, so this is just what the industry is. Was it a shock or you did, you'd kind of already understood that there was this problem? I didn't really understand it because I was in a boot camp for so long with people. With all people of color. Yeah, people of color. Also led by people of color. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so leaving there, I was like, it was harder for me to build relationships. I was even always the only woman on the team. Yeah. It was just really different. And I kind of always felt like an outsider. And I felt like I couldn't relate to a lot of people. I don't know. It was a different vibe for me. Yeah. And I think there's also an ongoing discussion around, you know, there's so much effort going into pipeline and like finding a black technologist or or female technologist Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever underrepresented group and not enough focus on like, how are we going to make it an inclusive and welcoming and comfortable environment when they join? Because it doesn't just stop at the hiring. It's even simple things from like day-to-day conversations and catching up about the weekend. There's just like, you don't feel like you can truly bring your full self to work. Right. Yeah. I felt like I was always either being really silent. I mean, I was talking about things I didn't have any experience with. I couldn't relate. Like when people are like complaining about their wives or something, I'm like, I'm not, I don't know what to do. Like I'm just there in this environment. You know? Yeah, totally. I've felt that one too at past companies, which is, and also like a little bit of like, I think you're being a little bit sexist it, yeah. with a lot of and this like, wife I bashing. I can't say anything because who am I to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things. So you've got this sort of background, obviously, mm-hmm. that you've gone through this. You're not seeing people that look like you. Mm-hmm. And then you go on Twitter and you do. Right. So I was like, so you tweet. Yeah. The tweet. I tweet. So I I said, what does black Twitter in tech look like? Here, I'll go first. So I just posted a picture of myself, wrote that I'm a front-end developer, and just tweeted it out. I thought nothing of it. I I think I went on with my day, and then I came back to... (laughs) Had your notifications off. Oh, my gosh. It came... I wish... I know I took a picture of this. It came to a point where I refreshed my Twitter notifications, and I had like 900 and something notifications. Oh, my God. And it was insane. I was like, what... I don't understand. Like, what did I do? What were the responses? Just people tweeting their pictures. Black technologists 
tweeting their picture and what they do in tech. I was like, oh, well, so like there's people who are, they're in artificial intelligence and machine learning. There's UX designers, there's speakers, people with podcasts, lots of engineers, CEOs, CTOs, like all black technologists in all these different fields of the industry. So I was like, wow, I had no idea because I, I never see you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see people who look like me. I had no idea. So, yeah, it just brought awareness, not to just to me. I mean, there were other people saying, wow, like we didn't have any idea either. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm sure that's why it went so viral was because right. everyone was feeling the same way. Yeah. People started tweeting, what pipeline problem? What pipeline problem? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You have this pinned at the, the yeah. top of your Twitter account. Actually, we should mention your Twitter handle at this point. Oh, yeah. At Paris Athena, Paris with two S's. I think it's up to like 10,000 replies. Yeah. Or something. I don't even like know wild. Them. Thousands of replies. Yeah. And, you know, new people who are just learning about Black Tech Twitter, they add themselves to the thread. So, still going. People are still taking notice. And yeah, it's a whole community. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. So you turned it also into a hashtag. Yeah. Are there new things happening with that hashtag? Or is um, it like a way for people to connect and keep the conversation going? Yeah, so the hashtag is more like the movement. This is a community. People use it for kind of anything. Like people who aren't even, I guess, I don't even want to say members, who aren't <laughs> part of Black Tech Twitter, they use it for their job postings to reach more people of color, more underrepresented groups. People use it for like 100 days of code to update you on what they're doing. I mean, they're I using it for yeah. all different things. That's cool. People are using it to connect with one another. Yeah. So how's life on Twitter been since then? Amazing. So this is why I say like Twitter, it's not just like some social media platform where people do tweet about coffee. And, you know, there is so much opportunity that that platform offers. It's insane. And my network has grown tremendously all because of Twitter. I've done business just off of Twitter. It's one of those platforms you want to utilize because the opportunity is amazing. Yeah. It does feel like it has an especially strong tech community. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think that's some of the most value I get out of it. I did a panel last year for LGBTQ folks yeah. in tech. And there was actually, it was college students talking about like how to get into the industry. And one of my biggest recommendations is connecting with people. And I did say, I was like, Twitter can be a dumpster fire, but mm -hmm. it's actually an amazing way to reach more people and reach people maybe even like above, like where you would be able to, and also connect with people like you who may not be in your immediate community, but are out there in the world. Right. No, absolutely. You're totally right. <laughs> even celebrities answer people on there. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's my next question. Do you have any celebrities that follow you on Twitter? I have Hannibal Buress. Okay. Um, he followed me and DM'd me. And I was like, oh, God. No cool, cool. way. That's <laughs> he, awesome. I had like written a tweet and then he responded to it through DM because I had asked a question. So I was like, oh, cool. He's also heavily involved in the tech community. I don't know if anyone knows that. I did not know that. Yeah. He is building this program called Melvina Masterminds where he's teaching children from underserved communities, I think in Chicago. It's just like a STEAM program. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Adds to guest wish list yeah. for podcasts. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So him, Alexis Ohanian, who is Serena Williams' husband, but also like founder of Reddit. He's a software engineer. He does not follow me, but he is very well aware about Black Tech Twitter. 
he has tweeted about Black Tech Twitter, and he has Alexis. You got a follower. Um, <laughs> please do. Gunning for that blue check. <laughs> oh my gosh! Seriously, that too. It's so difficult. Um, he manages an account for his daughter's doll. Yeah, I follow him and Serena and the daughter. I don't follow the doll, but I'm familiar with the doll's account. <laughs> yeah. So Black Tech Twitter did some type of analysis on the doll, and they sent it to him, and then he posted it on Twitter saying, Black Tech Twitter, thank you for trying to find out who's managing this account, but I don't know. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I know he knows about, he's very familiar with Black Tech Twitter. So another Twitter question, because, I mean, you're kind of an influencer now. Like a tech tech influencer. <laughs> well, that's like the biggest influencer in my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How many followers do you have? I think 16.8 or 9 right now. Now that you have such a big audience, does it change the way like you're oh, yeah. double cross thinking about what you yep. post? And I'm sure there are not great people out there in the world you have to deal with. Like, How do you navigate this world of having a lot of eyes on you? I make mistakes and then learn from them. Every single time. There's some things where it's like, with a big following, I think, well, you know, this can happen to anyone where, like, I've even tweeted things like, you know, I had such a great day today. And then someone was like, oh, must be nice. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Aww. There's always a hater. Yeah. But um, I have to be really careful with things I say because I'm not intentionally trying to be mean or malicious. But I guess it can come off that way easily, yeah. especially if it's online. You don't know, sure. you know, like one time I tweeted about AirPods not being expensive to me. And I had so many people message me. They're like, you know, someone with your stature, I wouldn't expect you to be so like uppity. I don't know. Yeah. Stuck up. Sure, yeah. They were really mad about it. And I, I was like, that's not I wasn't trying to come across that way. I was just like, yeah, I'm just saying I didn't think they were expensive. You know, people always threaten to unfollow me and. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's different. <laughs> Do you have any advice for someone that's, you know, trying to build their audience and how to think about being authentic versus right. I don't know, safe? <laughs> I think you should always be yourself and if there's something you want to say and you don't care what the repercussions are, then I guess go for it. I say that lightly because I don't know what everyone Yeah, I guess and it's like, are. you know, on a case by case basis. Case by too. case exactly, yeah. Remember that you are a role model. You have people looking up to you. It's almost like being in a professional setting. You want to be professional, mm -hmm. but also like maintain who you are. Say what you want, but say it professionally. Mm -hmm. Try to really watch how you word things. Maybe have someone else look over it before you press tweet. I do that because you just never know. Yeah. If you want to go on a rampage, have a separate account where <laughs> people don't know it's you or go on a different platform like Facebook. I use Facebook. It's totally private mm -hmm. to speak on topics that I wouldn't speak about on Twitter. But not everything needs to be public. You don't have to tell everyone everything also, you know? Yeah. So Black Tech Twitter led to Black Tech Pipeline. Yep. So Black Tech Pipeline is a platform to bring opportunity and resources to the Black Tech Twitter community. So I have a Slack, a Discord, a newsletter. There's a website to continue like bringing awareness to people in Black Tech Twitter. So all the technologists I have, the Slack and Discord channels is for continuous learning and collaborating, learning about events in whatever city or state you're in. And just kind of meeting people, meeting people who are in your field, who look like you, who you can learn from. 
and then there's opportunity. So I post a lot about opportunity because I work with different companies, conference organizers to get more black technologists into their uh, work environments. So I'll post about jobs that are open for certain companies and I have referral codes for them. And obviously like connections, I can do intros for people. With conference organizers, if they're looking for speakers from Black Tech Pipeline, I talk to a few people to see who wants to take a speaking opportunity, you know, just finding out about their background. I send them over to these organizers, conference tickets, discounts. So it was basically that that you have the Black Tech Twitter community building momentum on Mm -hmm. Twitter. And then it sounds like it couldn't meet all the needs or like the ideas that you had for for where this could go. Right. And then you started building a site. Yeah. So I have a website, which is like a merch store. It tells you how Black Tech Twitter started. But it also leads you to the Slack channel we have and the Discord in our newsletter, just so you continue learning about us, learning about specific people in the community, what they're doing, because everyone's doing a lot of really cool things but also just about opportunity with conferences, jobs, things like that. So is there an actual like job board? So I'm actually working on something myself. It's like this project I have that's going on to make finding black technologists more accessible, not jobs. I'm working on a Okay, so the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm already working with different companies to connect with the community. And yeah, so did companies like start reaching out to you personally? Yeah, that's to how, say like that's just, how can we connect with all these people who are commenting yeah. on your tweet? Yeah, it's funny. It like molded itself. This yeah. whole thing molded itself because when Black Tech Twitter happened, like literally when it was going viral, people were like, "What's next? What's next?" I was like, "I don't know. This wasn't intentional. Like, <laughs> it just happened." Yeah, um, and then companies just started reaching out to me, and different like CTOs, founders are just like, "Hey, can you send over?" Whatever they're looking for, they're like, oh, can how can I get access to your community? So it molded itself into yeah. me being somewhat of a recruiter for Black Tech Twitter. So you're like, okay, I'm going to start yeah. helping you out. And this yep. became, I guess, like another side project, right? Yeah. This yeah. is not a paid gig? No, no. This is just like my side project, which I'm going to turn into a paid gig. Yeah. So what are the next things happening with Black Tech Pipeline? I want to get more involved with, like me saying I'm a recruiter, somewhat, you know, if these companies want access to people in the community, I want to know exactly what they're looking for. And then I want to literally not interview people, but like find out what is your exact skill set? Are you even looking for a job? Mm -hmm. Like I want to have like this entire database of information of who's looking, what their skill sets are, where they're located, just things like that, like what a recruiter would do and be able to send them over. I just want to get more involved instead of being, yeah, I'll just send over these people and see how it goes, you know? Yeah. So are you thinking in the future this could be a full-time thing? Yeah. Yep. That's what I'm hoping. Full-time job. And are you thinking of possibly running this like a startup? And maybe one of the things that comes to mind for me is going through an accelerator where they can sort of help you with some of the, the business elements. Yeah, I think so. I I want to really like get my ducks in a row, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So one step at a time. But yeah, I want this to grow, become a real business. If that means going through an accelerator, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, well, it's certainly like everything you're describing. That's a true movement, right? And a real need when people are banging down your door, asking for this connection that you've been able to provide is kind of amazing. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) 
So for Black Tech Pipeline, are there any ways that other people can get involved with helping you at all right now since it is kind of a side project or are you okay just kind of running it on your own, holding the reins? I think I'm okay right now on my own because I've been doing it on my own for so long. Like now I'm kind of like, all right, you know, I'm in a groove. But once my project is finished where I have this whole site with black technologists and all that, I feel like I might need some help there. But for now, I'm okay. And what about long term in your career? What kind of passions or or vision do you have for yourself in the future? And I want to be an actress. <laughs> I you, really want to be an actress. You want to go back to the actress I, route? Yeah, that, I mean, that's my passion. That's always been my passion. And I also still love writing. I love directing. I love editing film. Like, that's really my thing. I love it. So somehow, I want to somehow get back to it. That's amazing. So you sell Black Tech Pipeline and then go fund your movie career. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Anything else that we haven't talked about today that you want to talk about? So I'm broadcasting at Node ATL, Node Atlanta conference in February, and I'm speaking at Render ATL in May. So Very cool. Have you been doing a lot of speaking? Sort of. So I do panels in speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in August, I did a panel in Atlanta. I got to MCJSConf in San Diego. I spoke at React Native EU in Poland on the differences between React and React Native. That's cool. How do you like speaking? You know what? I thought I was going to be awful at it. Speaking at tech conferences, no less. It was terrifying, and I actually did really well, surprisingly. I noticed that I do well for things that are like almost scripted. Mm -hmm. Like I had to prep my whole talk. You know, I wrote everything down with speaker notes. So I know what I'm going to say, but when it comes to like hosting like JSConf, You get on stage and it's like, all right, just say whatever you want. Improv. Right. And I'm like, that's where I'm not doing so great. But practice makes perfect. Yeah. Well, that makes sense also with your like interest in your acting background. Right. Yeah. You You know, I never put that together. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. That's your skill set for sure. Yeah. All right, Paris. Well, if someone wants to follow along with you, follow along with Black Tech Twitter, follow along with Black Tech Pipeline, give us all the handles and hashtags and and URLs. Okay, so there is blacktechpipeline.com, which will lead you to pretty much everything. But there's also, if you get on Twitter, you can follow me, Paris Athena, with Paris with two S's. You can follow Black Tech Pipeline on Twitter at BT Pipeline. And those same handles go for Instagram at Paris Athena at BT Pipeline. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. This was so much fun. Just a quick note before we go, we'll actually be off next week, so no new episode, but that's a great time to revisit some of the hundreds of other Giant Robots episodes. We'll be back after that with a new episode. Looking forward to seeing you then. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at lindsay3d. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Austin, London, and Raleigh-Durham, let's build something great together.